Thank you, Bill Curry Ford, for presenting the Ira Kaufman podcast. Bill Curry Ford, home of the nationwide lifetime warranty on new vehicles. BillCurryFord.com. The more I think about it, the more I think the Glazers have come around to the Kaufman Doctrine, 70s sex symbol. Never did a nude scene. Classy. Todd Bowles isn't driving this train, and and neither is uh, Jason Light. He was a bust. He was a bum. I don't care how bad he looks. Man, Ira has a lot to say in this episode. He is fired up. Put your feet up, grab a Big Storm beer, and listen. And while you do, check out Florida's Elite Restoration com florida's elite restoration.com florida's elite restoration is top shelf when it comes to having any disaster in your home or business fire flood mold wind damage whatever it might be mold terrible call florida's elite restoration immediately 24 7 and be prepared by checking out all their services so you know who to call florida's elite restoration.com yeah all right, Bucks fans, an offensive coordinator is in the house. The Buccaneers offense is changing fast. And thankfully, something that does not change is the sage of Tampa Bay sports. He's 93 years young. He's the king of Newport Ritchie, Uncle Ira, the custodian of Canton himself. Still battling COVID, but coming out on the other side. That's Ira Kaufman, presented by Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's first family of Ford just get to BillCurryFord.com. That's the family name, C-U-R-R-I-E, BillCurryFord.com. See all the great specials. 0% financing offers are back. Nationwide lifetime warranties. It's all at Bill Curry Ford. GM Sean Sullivan, he's also our, our draft guru, Ira. I'm sure you listen to his best-in-class podcast. He's everything you need to know from the Senior Bowl week and a weird and wacky week that it was with players going through practice and then bailing on the game billcurryford.com where you can find sean to shoot him an email and check out all the offers he'll help you personally he'll give you that ira kaufman discount but you can find the podcast the best in class podcast at joebucksfan.com apple podcasts all the different platforms a lot of great stuff there more coming from sean and uh, bill curry ford man just get there just see their transparent pricing and reach out he'll help you personally Bodywork, whatever it might be, BillCurryFord.com. Big Storm Brewing Company, Ira. Big Storm Brewery is open in Ebor City. They are open. Had sort of a softish kind of opening, you know, but beautiful place right there in Ebor, Centro Ebor, the former Hamburger Mary's location. And it's big and it's fun. And that's where our draft party is going to be on opening night of the draft. So many more details to come there. Big Storm Beer is florida's best craft beer that's big storm beer follow them on social media all the different locations cape coral orlando at the amway center clearwater the flagship location in odessa at big storm brewery facebook instagram and of course uh, on twitter and sage uh, we're fired up uh, we've got a new offensive coordinator dave canales from the seattle seahawks longtime quarterbacks coach longtime receivers coach he's been with pete carroll since uh for about 14 years going back to his time with the uh, university of southern california and here he is he's never called plays before he's uh, considered an up-and-comer he got a lot of other interviews the bucks weren't the only guys talking to him uh, maybe he had a big hand in uh, geno smith's revival maybe he had a big hand in uh Russell Wilson uh, falling off the the, the earth uh, seemingly as a quarterback when he melted down in Denver. We don't know, Ira, but we got a 41-year-old guy in here, and he seems familiar with the running game, and he's coached receivers. What's your thoughts? Well, at least we have some certainty. I'm going to start this podcast, uh, as I should, with a moment of silence for the great Raquel Welch, gentlemen. That's just the way it is. 70s sex symbol. Never did a nude scene. Classy. Did a famous Seinfeld episode where she poked fun at herself. Very intelligent. Managed her career very, very well. So rest in peace, Miss Welch. You uh, carried me through the 70s in in fine fashion. So now we turn to uh, the coordinator. Lee, I'm going to make this point right off the top. His title says offensive coordinator, but make no mistake. Mr. C uh, is in Tampa to groom a young quarterback. It could be Kyle Trask. Uh, or it could be uh, somebody that's not on the current roster that will be under center for the Bucks in the next year or two. I believe that's why he's here. I believe that's probably why the Glazers signed off on it, and Todd Bowles is comfortable with him. Any guy, 
Well, any guy that lasts that long with Pete Carroll. Now, look, Pete Carroll's not Bill Belichick. He's not Don Shula. But he's a heck of a coach. Arguably a Hall of Fame coach. He's been doing this a long time. He's accomplished a lot. He wouldn't surround himself with fools. Canales has, has lasted a long time with them. So I think his expertise is bringing out the best in a quarterback. And as Steve mentioned, look what this guy did to Geno Smith. He just won comeback player of the year. I didn't vote for him because I didn't think he fit the category. Comeback from what? He, he was never anything, Geno Smith. So I didn't vote for him for comeback. Uh, I, voted for, uh, I voted for Christian McCaffrey and then Barkley. So I, I didn't think Smith fit that category. But what he does fit in, believe the guy, the guy completed 70% of his passes. Now, look, I know everybody completes 60, 62%, but this guy led the league. You know, he's got some good receivers in Seattle. He had a good rookie running back, but he got the job done. And I think Canales was a big part of it. So I'm okay with it, but I, I, I think he's here to uh, to help along a young quarterback. Could be Trask, not necessarily Trask. You set me up as you usually do, hire with all kinds of stuff in your monologue. First, slowly roll on Pete Carroll. Yes, he's an excellent coach, but yes, he also surrounds himself with fools. Wasn't Brian Schottenheimer's offensive coordinator? Not for long. Not for long. Well, he had a fool sitting next to him for a while. Uh, let's put it that way. He's an awful offensive coordinator, unless you like to run the ball, which, by the way, Pete Carroll does. But that's the defensive coach in him. That's in their DNA. They can't help themselves. The first thing I thought of when Canales was hired, Geno Smith. Geno Smith. That's the first thing I thought of. He's a free agent. Now, of course, the only thing Seattle has to do is tag him, and it's all over. But I have to think that Todd Bowles, unless the Glazers gave him a guarantee, and we don't know that, and if that's the case, they're doing it all wrong, I have to believe Bowles knows he needs wins or he's gone, and he may never be a head coach again. So that's why I'm thinking he wants a veteran quarterback of some sort. Geno Smith fits that bill. Unless the Glazers told him, don't worry about it. We're going to draft a quarterback. We're not going to do anything with you. And if that's the case, right now they're doing it all wrong. If they're going to draft for a quarterback, they need to start stockpiling draft picks. They need to start a fire sale right now. And then you said next two years, Canales is going to have a quarterback. Are we sure Bulls is going to be here next year? I hope he is, because that means the Bucks are winning. Hope he is for Bucks fans' sake. And I know people are punching a wall hearing that, but that means the Bucks are winning if he's here. But I don't know if he's going to be here if the Bucks lose. Well, Lee, I guess I mean he, he's here maybe to bring out the best in Trask, if it's Trask. Bring out the best, give him the, give him the best chance, uh, and then let's see what we got. You know, as much as uh, Geno Smith would be a nice fit, I think it's a stretch, Lee, because... Steve, the Bucks don't control the, the Geno Smith situation. The Seahawks do. If the Seahawks want Smith, they'll get Smith. The latest I've read about it is that they're close to an agreement, maybe even a long-term extension. Why would you let Geno Smith go? They don't have much behind them. They could draft a quarterback, but, you know, are you going to go from Geno Smith to Will Levis and, and close your eyes and hope? I don't see Geno Smith going anywhere uh, except the Pacific Northwest right now. I agree with you, Ira. I I don't see any reason why Seattle would uh, would do that. And frankly, I don't know why there'd be a, a Bucks fan who would want Geno Smith here as the quarterback. I mean, the guy's had one good year. He's about to turn 33 years old. And, you know, what the hell? <laughs> it's Geno Smith. That's not going to get anybody excited. And Geno Smith has never gotten a chance to cash in. He was a a second round pick and he wasn't a starter and this is his year to cash in and the bucks are not in a position to give him a break the bank contract when they can get probably guys who are at least as established uh, a lot cheaper but like you said seattle holds the cards and they'd be a little crazy to get rid of him uh, to go back what i would say though is uh, drew Locke is av available as a free agent uh, he was with seattle last year didn't get to play because um, Smith played every game. And I guess theoretically, you know, we could sit here and say um, Canales spent a year around him. And if you're looking for somebody with a little experience to come in and compete, if he liked Drew Locke, I think Drew Locke will be here uh, pretty soon with, uh, you know, a $2 million deal, not much for a backup, and uh, let him come in here and compete. 
Can I get my Drew Lock one liner out of the way? Sure. Go ahead, Lee. This is all I need to say about Drew Lock. He dumped Gracie Hunt. <laughs> That's the guy you want to lead your team? <laughs> You're questioning his judgment that the Kemper. Ira, Ira, though, you made a very bold statement, very bold statement. And uh, anybody just joining us uh, for the first time, I can't forget the first timers. Uh, That's the voice of Lee Decamper talking to Ira. I'm Steve Isbitz. We're both of JoeBucksFan.com and have been sitting here with Ira since 2016 talking football on this podcast. Hard to believe. Sage, you made it very clear that a young quarterback is who's coming in here for Canales to work with. Uh, he's never been a play caller before. Want to get your opinion on that? A guy who's never called plays, and I mean, why? Why not uh, Derek Carr? Why not another veteran? You know, as Lee said, Todd Bowles knows that he's got to win some games. I think no matter what the Glazers tell him, whatever they tell Todd Bowles about job security, I mean, I don't think Todd Bowles is naive enough to believe it. If he coaches poorly, he could be in a tough situation here. Where do you think the mindset is of uh, the organization? Steve, Steve, come on, Steve. I thought you were on board with me. I said it weeks ago. I'm going to say it again. Todd Bowles isn't driving this train, and and neither is uh, Jason Light. He's not. Not a decision of this magnitude, which is the direction and the arc of this franchise. The more I think about it, the more I think the Glazers uh, have come around to the Kaufman Doctrine. Let's give this kid a chance, Trask. Bring in somebody, Andy Dalton, bring him in. Let him back him up. Don't don't you dare let Dalton win this job, Lee. Don't you dare. Let him come in as a backup. There's there's a real easy way to make sure Andy Dalton's not your starting quarterback. You don't Uh, sign him. And by the way, by the way, why why shouldn't Jason Light want Kyle Trask to get his shot? Why wouldn't he? Uh, Are you telling me Jason Light, in his mind, has closed the door? on Kyle Trask ever, ever being a legitimate NFL quarterback, admitting he made a second-round mistake without even looking at the kid? I don't care how bad he looks throwing to uh, backup receivers and behind the backup offensive line. The guy's throwing nine passes. I'm not making any judgments on Kyle Trask right now. Is it fair to say that Trask was not drafted to play for Dave Canales? I I don't know that, Lee. I I say this is your chance once and for all. To give this kid a shot, uh, let's see what he's got. He's been underestimated his whole life. Look, I've never been a Kyle Trask guy. I'm the guy that said he's Ira, not gonna Ira, Ira, let's keep it on the coordinator. You, you're dropping some important things that need to be explored here. Is this what you're telling Bucks fans? Are you telling Bucks fans, and a serious question, that Todd Bowles was told, we're not getting you a veteran quarterback, Todd. We're going with Trask. We may draft a guy if we love somebody and he's there. We're going to get some young backups in here or a young veteran or a established veteran. We'll see, but we're not getting you a veteran quarterback. So go choose on your own. Go choose an offensive coordinator that you think is a good fit for a young QB. Do you think that order went to Todd Bowles? I think that's a very likely scenario. This guy, I wouldn't call him a quarterback guru because he doesn't have that kind of body of work. But the fact remains, he did a heck of a job with Geno Smith last year. It's one year, but he got it done. Nobody saw Geno Smith coming. Nobody. The guy was an also-ran. He was an afterthought. He was a bust. He was a bum. And all of a sudden, he's throwing 30 touchdowns and completing 70% of his passes with, with Seattle. You know, their offensive line is nothing to, nothing to write home about. It, it ain't the Eagles. It's not the Chiefs. This is Seattle. good rookie tackles. They did, but rookies. Rookies. So... Steve, I didn't say they wouldn't bring in a veteran, but I, I think Trask gets first crack. Now, if he's terrible in training camp, you can't look at 52 other players and say we're giving the job to Trask when he was clearly outplayed. But I'm giving him first chance. I'm giving him a chance. I'm tired of, of looking at Kyle Trask and saying, well, wait a minute, we don't know what we got. It doesn't look good, but we don't know for sure. At some point, Lee, that has to end. This is the perfect time. Let it end. Bring in a veteran backup that doesn't threaten Kyle Trask, and let's let's see what happens. And Lee, I'll say it again: Should you go five and twelve, and nobody wants that, including the three of us, you will be in prime position, Lee, especially if you sell off a couple of pieces 
and get draft flexibility for 2024. To me, that's what it's all about, Lee. Draft flexibility in a quarterback-rich draft. I don't know if the quarterback draft next year is rich. I mean, we hear that every year. Oh, it's going to be loaded with quarterbacks. It's going to be loaded with quarterbacks. It rarely turns out that way. And from what I gather, there's only two quarterbacks worth you know risking anything on. And that's, of course, Caleb Williams and, and Drake May. And by the way, Drake May's offensive coordinator, I believe, left North Carolina. So it'll be very interesting to see what he does with a brand new coach. My only caveat to all this, Ira, I said it before. I know you didn't like it. In no way, shape, or form should the Bucks draft a quarterback with Todd Bowles as coach. He's 0-2 with high draft pick quarterbacks. There's no reason to believe he'll be 1-2. Well, he didn't have one in Tampa that he's worked with. You know, I love Todd Bowles. I hope he succeeds here. He cannot develop a quarterback. And they can, the Bucks cannot trust him with one. If they're going to draft a quarterback high, go get the flavor of the month offensive coordinator, bring him in, and go from there. Whether it's Brian Johnson who seems to have a hell of a good resume. I don't care who you pick, but Todd Bowles should have nothing to do with a rookie quarterback drafted first or second round. I'm sorry. I like you, Todd, but your record is your record. And your record with rookie quarterbacks is gruesome. Steve, if Trask performs better than expected, that's going to look very good on Canales' record, and it's going to look very good to the Glazers uh, regarding Canales. So... Maybe he's rolling the dice a little bit, and he thinks he can work with this kid. We'll see. It'd be a wonderful thing if it happened. Ira, what do you make of the organization being okay with an offensive coordinator hire who has no play call experience? I was not a college play caller that I can see. I didn't find anything that said Canales called plays in preseason for the Seahawks. I didn't find that anywhere. Well, what do you make of that? Steve, you're forgetting one thing. It wasn't like... it. What am I forgetting? I didn't forget anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> here's what you forgot. And, Lee, it's, it's, uh, it's a sad situation in, in, in a certain aspect. Lee, they, they weren't overflowing, let's be honest, with candidates that were dying to break into one buck place. It wasn't the case, Lee. It wasn't the case. They missed on some guys that they might have wanted. They missed. They went elsewhere. They looked at the situation. They decided another team gave them a, a better chance to succeed. Those are the facts, Lee. Those are the facts. Ten candidates, uh, ten guys coming in. It's getting late in the game. The combine's around the corner. They had to make a decision. Doesn't mean this guy's going to you know, fail. Doesn't mean that. But, Lee, they, they didn't have their pick of the litter, and, and we have to be honest about that. Oh, yeah. I, I've been writing that several times over the past week. That Let's be frank here. This is not an attractive job right now. You got potentially a lame duck coach on a team in salary cap L that's going to be shedding salaries, going to be shedding talent. The arrow is pointing down on this franchise right now after they've experienced, you know, the zenith. They won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. It just was not an attractive job. But if you're Brian Johnson or pick some of these, you know, who was going to come here? Potentially, and I'm I'm not saying Bulls is going to get fired. And for all I know, the Glazers are, are going to give him a mulligan that he won the division. The Glazers have only kept one coach after back-to-back losing seasons. That same coach won them a Super Bowl. His name was Chucky, you know, and they ripped his name off the off the stadium. Every other coach that's worked for the Glazers had back-to-back losing seasons. Was bounced. Now I don't. Again, I don't know if the Glazers are going to give. Uh, Bowles of Mulligan because he won the division. It could be 50%, could be 50% the other way. I don't know. But just looking at Glazer history, Bowles doesn't win this year. He's gone. Why would you set yourself up to come here for a lame duck coach and you'll be moving in nine months? Steve, I you think they've already, yeah, they've already given him a mulligan uh, by, by keeping him on the job uh, after going 8-10 and 10 with Tom Brady. That, that's a mulligan. Thank you. Uh, but they never fired a guy after one year either. Yeah. Uh, but to Lee's point, that mulligan's not going to extend uh, a year from now uh, if they have a bad year. It's not. You still didn't answer the question, Ira. Okay, I'm going back five minutes now. The question was about hiring a play caller with no experience. Don't tell me that they didn't have the pick of the litter to find a guy who's actually called plays. There's tons of guys like that who've called plays, college level, pro level, guys who've done it in preseason. What's the attitude 
of you think this guy Canales is so good in other areas that they could get past, hey, you've never actually put the headset on and called plays. And I'll bring you this to Ira back to 2009 when they hired Jeff Jagosinski to call plays and they realized, damn, he didn't really know how to call plays, even though he was by title, he was the offensive coordinator in Green Bay. Don't ever bring that guy's name up on this podcast, Steve. Don't don't do that. Um, <laughs> that guy, uh, you, you talk about a disaster. Unbelievable. Well, what a sordid moment in Buck history. And that's got a lot of competition to it. But uh, that's that's right up there. Steve, you're obsessed with this uh, inexperience of calling plays. He's been around a long time, this guy. I'm not obsessed. That's the job description. You know, he didn't just come from the college ranks. He, he wasn't in southwest Arkansas. And, and, and now he's a Buccaneer uh, calling plays. He's been around. Uh, he's done a, a bunch of different things as an assistant coach on the NFL level. He's worked closely with Pete Carroll, who knows a few things uh, about uh, the other side of the ball. I'm not that worried about it. He's going to do a better job than his predecessor right off the bat. I, I can tell well, you that. Yeah, uh, of course. And, and, and Steve, I, I think I was answered the question. They were limited. I mean, okay, you want to go out and get Greg Roman? Really? Greg Roman? He's got experience play calling. You really want that? Ryan Schottenheimer? Hey, he's got experience. Let's go out and get it. No. They, 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 they were limited in what they could get because it wasn't an attractive job. Could gone, they could have gone to the high school level and found someone to call plays. Doesn't mean they wanted him. Were they limited because they didn't want to open up their wallets more than they might have wanted to to attract the top candidates and say, look, I don't care. We want you. This may not be the best job, but we're going to give you double what the other guy is because we want to freaking win. If they were limited by their wallets, I don't accept it. I don't think they were limited by that. Uh, Again, they're limited because the job wasn't attractive. You know, guys don't want to move after nine months. It was a tenuous uh, head coaching situation and um, and an uncertain quarterback situation. That's a uh, that's a deadly combo, Steve, uh, in attracting uh, a high quality, experienced play call. Uh, it is, Ira. I just think that can be made up for with money. It's still a business. These guys aren't. Uh, it's still a payday. You know, you give you find a guy who you think is better or more competent, and you pay him. And you and you say, what will it take? You know, name your price. Everybody's got a price. I don't see some of these top play callers saying, well, I'd rather go here because it's probably better and it smells better, but they're going to pay me $8 million less over the next three years. I, I just, I, I don't like that. I, I'm leery of that aspect of it, Ira, that I, I, I think they, they should have made it more competitive money-wise. As far as Ira, you're saying this guy's better than Leftwich? Um, I don't know if you read this story or not, but I guess you're aware that Leftwich actually called up Notre Dame, called up Marcus Freeman and said, hey, I know you need an offensive coordinator. I'm available. He did that last week. That's, that's a verified, incredible report. And what did Marcus Freeman do? He went to his third option. He promoted from within instead of hiring Leftwich. Think about that. All the, all the offensive coordinator jobs, if Byron Leftwich was all that, like some people like to tell you he is. If Brian left, which was all that, how come Nick Saban didn't call him? How come Kirby Smart didn't call him? Uh, he calls Notre Dame, and Notre Dame hired their tight ends coach. <laughs> yeah, his, um, Steve, left, which is fall from grace. Uh, it's kind of astounding. You know, a year ago, kind of sitting on top of the world, 29 and 10, two years with Brady, a Super Bowl. They score a lot of points. You know, Arian keeps saying, give Leftwich the credit for this offense. Give him the credit. Give him the credit. All of a sudden, Arians is on his golf cart. Arians is playing golf. Arians is at the lake house. And the Bucks average 12 less points per game. I mean, what a drop. Lee, 12 points a game? You don't see a drop like that. That's a plunge. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a- one of the worst plunges in Super Bowl era histories. Steve had an excellent story that uh, offensive coordinators, once they go through Todd Bowles' knee grinder, they don't come out so well. <laughs> Aptly put. Look, there's a lot of pressure on Todd Bowles in, in 2023, guys. There's no two ways about it. Should he win this division again? And I don't care how he does it. But should he win it, uh, if Kyle Trask is the quarterback, he's not going anywhere. He's secure. And maybe they don't have to draft the quarterback in 24. Could that happen? It could. Will it happen? Probably unlikely. Somebody in the NFC South is going to make a move up, right, Lee? They're not going to be this bad forever. 
Somebody's going to draft a quarterback that's going to turn out to be pretty good. Maybe Desmond Ritter takes a step up in Atlanta. I didn't think he was terrible last year. I thought he showed some things. The Saints still got a pretty good defense. Carolina's got a good defense. They're not going to go 7-10 forever. So you're not going to win this division year after year winning eight games. I think right now all signs point to Kyle Trask. I'm down with it. I'm not against it. And uh, let's see what happens. And I'm not down on Canales, Ira. I'm not coming in with some sort of crazy bias. The guy gets a clean slate. Maybe he's an up-and-comer. Obviously, they interviewed a lot of guys, and he impressed them on uh, multiple levels. I'd be curious to learn what sort of references they got or maybe what sort of connections are there that we don't know about. And I'm really curious to see if Canales talks about wanting that allure for him and where he is in his career, allure to come into Tampa was to get to work with Tom Moore and to pick his brain for however long he gets a chance to. And I'm really curious about Moore being here when it's not his offense and not the style that he's used to running, you know, because he's always sort of followed his own people and been, you know, and been the guy versus, uh, you know, coming in with a coordinator that we don't know what he's going to want to do. But does, Sage, does this cement for you that the Bucks are going to be looking to pound the football? And I did write something up about how this very much was the year of the running back revival. Way more guys with a thousand yards this year. Even in the Super Bowl, we're looking at Patrick Mahomes winning, throwing for what, 187 yards. Uh, the, the Eagles dominating the NFC with a huge running game. You know, maybe this is the partially a, a flavor of the uh, flavor of the year kind of higher. I think that's a, that's a very intriguing point, Steve. You can't be around Pete Carroll all those years and not be influenced by uh, Carroll's philosophy, which is to have a, a stout physical accent on physical running game. This guy, Kenneth Walker, he, he's not a speedster, but he pounds you. The Bucks did a good job on him uh, that day in, in Munich, but he finished the season strong. He had over 1,000 yards, strong candidate for rookie of the year. I think Garrett Wilson won it. But Walker was a strong candidate. I think, <laughs> Lee, you, 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 you can hit the mute button anytime at this point, Lee. But, you know, Kyle Trask is not going to average 42 and 43 pass attempts uh, a game. And I think Lee's on board with that. This ain't Tom Brady. And whoever comes in ain't Tom Brady. So forget this, you know, 700 pass attempts. It, it didn't work last year, Lee. It didn't work. The fact is they averaged It worked better than their run game, I'll tell you that. So... Let's, let's boost the running game, Lee. Let's boost it. Well, I, I don't live in the 60s anymore. I know you're, you're, you wore your VCR, uh, your VCR tape out yesterday of uh, 1 billion years BC. I don't live in the 70s anymore. I, I live in 2023. It's a passing league, but I'm not going to force the pass. The run game, hey, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Football is a very simple game to me. It's blocking. It's tackling. It's using what works. If the pass works, I have no problem passing every freaking play of the game. If the running game's working, I have no problem handing the ball off every freaking play of the game. Those are my four pillars of football. Blocking, tackling, actually three pillars. Blocking, tackling, use what works. Uh, how about the fourth pillar, uh, Raquel Welch on your uh, bedroom uh, wall? Uh, that, that's I was going to say Rachel pro. Watson, but okay. Uh, Rachel, <laughs> now, now, Steve, here's another aspect of what you're saying. I think you make a strong point uh, about Canales uh, being inclined to get this running game going. Some of the best running attacks in the league are greatly aided by mobile quarterbacks. We know that, and I think Philly's the prime example. You know, Hertz is very, very dangerous. Uh, on the run. Even Mahomes on a bum ankle. Steve, he had some big runs. We're not used to that around here. I think that hurt the running game a, a little bit. Brady's immobility. If Brady dashes four yards up the middle, people are uh, screaming from the top deck. Oh, look at that. Look at that. This ain't Justin Fields. This ain't Josh Allen. It's not Jalen Hurts. It's not Geno Smith. Geno Smith is mobile. So, and Trask is not mobile either, Steve. He's not. You know, it all comes together, but, you know, getting thir getting 35 or 40 yards from the quarterback position on the ground, that could really make a difference. Canales is going to found, find very interesting. The Seahawks, Ira, this year had four pro bowlers, and they had six pro bowl alternates. Not one of them played offensive line, and not one of them played tight end. And I think he's going to come in here looking at these offensive linemen and say, I've got Ryan Jensen 
Shaq Mason and Tristan Wirfs, we're going to run the freaking ball and it's not going to be so hard. And for years, the Seahawks were a team that didn't believe in investing in their offensive line. It just was like an organizational philosophy. And I think that's got to be very attractive to him, especially if the Bucks go out and get a blocking tight end, because let's face it, Cameron Bate is, is washed out. Kyle Rudolph is washed out. There's Coquifed, who is really a backup tight end. And Kate Otten is okay. But if they go and get a real blocking tight end or a real number one tight end, they're really cooking in that running game potentially. I think you're right. Uh, like it or not, Lee, and I don't think you're philosophically opposed to it. Like you said, if it works, you're all for it. I think there's going to be a real emphasis on getting this running game going. I don't know whether it's the blocking up front. Certainly, that's part of it. Fournette, he, he just didn't look like the same guy. He just didn't. Rashad White uh, looked okay as a rookie. Uh, he wasn't Kenneth Walker. Lee, if they got Kyle Trask, you want to give the guy a little bit of relief. Again, you can't have him throwing 42 balls. That's a disaster. I think you're looking at three and four. I think that you're staring at three and 14. Did you have a quarterback in high school that beat you up? <laughs> you, can't, you can't have an inexperienced quarterback throwing 42 balls. Unless he's successful doing it. I know, I know that in general, yes. I mean, it just seems know, like you're just, just something about passing the ball just irks you. Well, Lee, look at the Super Bowl. Uh, like Steve said, Mahomes won the MVP. First of all, I know this sounds crazy as an old Chiefs fan, but I thought Hurts might have played a better game than Mahomes. I don't think that's crazy. I can't go there because his fumble cost him the game. It did, but he made some great throws, and he had no running game. Oh, um, he made some great throws, but you know these people you know, singing hosannas that Jalen Hurts was the, is the next Phil Sims the way he played in the Super Bowl. I'm like, calm down. He fumbled the ball. It was a, that was a scooping score. It cost him the game. Let's, yeah, let's relax yeah. here a little bit. Yeah, it was a seven-point mistake, Lee. There's no getting around it. But they did score 35 points, Lee. Yeah, they yeah. Like, I'm not denying that he didn't have a bad game. I'm just saying that he didn't have this immaculate game. Um, Steve, uh, the Chiefs ran the ball very well with Pacheco. Of course, Mahomes had a couple of key runs. And that really helped. I didn't think they were going to outrush the Eagles. That really helped the Chiefs uh, win the game, especially in the second half. So, you know, I'll say it. You know, And, and I think it's hurting. Look at a team like Buffalo. Yeah. They don't They don't have a good running game. And yeah. I think it hurts them, Lee, especially playing in the Northeast December and January. They don't run the ball well. It really hurt them in that Cincinnati game. The Bengals have better backs than the Bills do. Maybe not as good an offensive line, but they got better backs. And, uh, I think Buffalo's going to address that. What you're getting into, Ira, and you're, you're absolutely correct about the Bills and the Bengals. What you're getting to is the Bucks need to be a little more diversified, and they can't do that with Kyle Trask. That's not diversity. So you're going to have to load up on the running game. I, mean, I see where you're going. You're absolutely right. That's why now, now, and I, I'm not saying I would do this, but I think it really puts into play Bijan Robinson in the first round at 19. I know there's people there's people that are just slam their heads in the wall at me saying that, but I'm just looking at reality. What Bowles wants to do, I'm looking at this uh, inexperienced play caller who comes from a run-oriented background. Uh, you got Trask, who's inexperienced. What's the best way to, to help him out and to build your running game? You go out and get the big horse in the draft, John Robinson, who to me is looks exactly like Ricky Williams. Well, vintage Ricky Williams wouldn't look bad at one buck place. Sage, $500 is there for every Ira Kaufman devotee and Joe Bucks fan reader. When you call Florida's Elite Restoration and they come out to your property and assess everything free, when you call, if you let them know, hey, Ira sent me, Joe Bucks fan sent me, if you need their services after that free assessment, if you move forward with an agreement for them to clean up your mold, uh, fire, whatever it might be, then you're going to get $500 back from them. Maybe that's cash for your deductible, for your insurance company, or maybe it's just money uh, refunded after you pay for them to do a cleanup. Florida's Elite Restoration, they're fantastic. Owner Josh Martin, 14 years experience as an insurance adjuster. He's been a play caller. He's been an offensive coordinator for the insurance company, so he knows now how to fight for consumers on the other side. He's been doing it for years florida's elite restoration.com check it out now so you know where to go when that disaster happens 
Ira, your own personal concierge custom order representative is available right now at Bill Curry Ford. Lifetime warranty on every order. Sean Sullivan, the GM, is going to give you 500 bucks just to order a new vehicle. No deposit required. Pick your color. Pick whatever you want. They're turning around all the orders quite quickly. BillCurryFord.com. Don't mess around. Reach out. Get it done. It's so easy. They make it easy. BillCurryFord.com. Sage, got to ask you this. Levante David uh, was cruising around Radio Row. And he did his share of interviews. He was on CBS Sports Radio. And they asked him, you know, kind of what went wrong. And he talked about believing in bowls. And a couple of times he said, uh, specifically, a lot of guys in the locker room respect Todd Bowles. And another time he said most of the guys respect Todd Bowles. Now, I know we, we nitpick language here because we're in the language business. But I felt like listening to Levante... In previous years, he would have said something like, oh, man, everybody loves B.A. And then it's most of the guys uh, like Bowles and respect him. A lot of the guys across the locker room. I I thought the language was weird, so I wanted to get your opinion on that. But he also said that uh, he felt uh, Bowles, quote, was kind of like thrown in the fire in a sense with Arians retiring. And he had to pick up with that and not really taking control and doing things the way he wanted to do it. That he didn't get to do everything his way. And a lot's going to change. You could see that now, and we'll see how it plays out. And, of course, David uh, said if he were GM, he would roll with Kyle Trask. What are your thoughts with uh, those comments? I think your point about David's uh, observations on bowls, uh, I kind of agree with you, Steve, because interviewing Levani David, like the three of us have, Lee, over the last, you know, 10, 11 years, he doesn't even think twice uh, when it comes to something about chemistry in the organization. He's always very positive. He'll push it to the max in his quotes about how everybody's on the same page. Lee, he, he never leaves room for any doubts uh, about uh, you know what's going on behind the scenes. And he's always a lot more effervescent, perhaps, than he was uh, in that interview. Bowles has a lot to prove. Lee, this, this is not any secret. He does. He's got a lot to prove to Buck fans, to ownership, and Lee, maybe to some of his players who are wondering, hey, what's going on here? We, we should have won more than eight games. We had Tom Brady. We should have been competitive in the playoff game. We weren't. Much to prove for, for Todd Bowles. Levani David wants to be a Buccaneer, Lee. Again, just like Seattle with Geno Smith, it's not necessarily his call. The Bucks have to make a decision which way they're going. They decide to go with Trask. And uh, let the chips fall. Maybe they let Levani David test the free agent market. And some smart team, Lee, that's close, that needs, uh, you know, maybe one more defensive piece, uh, would be very wise to to, uh, to to grab David on a one- or two-year contract. He's got plenty left. The question is, does he fit the buck plans at this point? I don't know, Lee, because now you got Devin White. Who's on, you know, this last year of his contract? And I'm not sure they're giving White an extension right now, Lee. I don't think I would right now. Mm. I think, uh, I, think I, I want to see how he plays. And I'm not sure Bowles is totally sold on Devin White. I'm not. You're not, Lee. Uh, we see a little regression. We see a little too much chatter without the play to back it up. So with, uh, you know, with White, with an uncertain future, and, and now you got the veteran next to him in David. It's a very dicey situation. If you want to bring out the best in Devin White in 2023, you probably want Levante David next to him. Boy, a lot of decisions going on for the Bucks right now. And Steve wondering why they couldn't get a, a better offensive coordinator. And then what I'm going to say is it drives Steve's nuts. And I'm not trying to drive Steve nuts. I'm speaking from my heart. I can't justify keeping Levante David and letting Jamel Dean walk. I just can't do it. Now, now, they got some kind of harebrained scheme to come up with a starting cornerback. Okay, then. But, I mean, Levante's 32. You're, Ira, you're wanting a youth movement. You're wanting a – I get that. Well, it's hard to have a youth movement when you have a 32-year-old linebacker. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. shouldn't that money be appropriate to guys that are in their prime like Jamel Dean rather than a guy that's at the end? That's the way I look at it. I mean, I love Levante David, but money's money, and they're they're pinched in the salary cap. And I just personally, me, just me, I'm not talking about what other teams do, and you know, nobody's got two good cornerbacks. Whatever. 
I'm only talking about me and the Bucks. I can't justify letting Jamel Dean walk. Steve, they got a lot of guys 30 years or older. I mean, a lot of them. Too many for a team that uh, won eight games. You know, you're either building towards something uh, or, or you're getting worse. I think David is uh, hes in a very precarious situation. But not, not totally because somebody wants Levani David. I, I think David will be sitting in a catbird seat. I, I could see uh, three or four teams that really want this guy. I, I Miami should. Miami should. Yeah. Uh, I have no problem if the Buccaneers are interested in stockpiling for draft picks. I think that makes sense. Uh, doesn't even mean you necessarily use it for a quarterback, but right. uh, you know because you don't know how it's going to play out. But paring down and getting some draft picks to maneuver and to get other guys and to you know reload in in certain ways, I think is a good thing. You're not going to get a draft pick unless you let all your free agents walk. You know, with that whole complicated compensatory formula. And even then, it's not going to be better than a third-round pick if you make out well. But I would get rid of Devin White before I would get rid of Levante David. Because Devin White, you're going to have to pay him a fortune of money to keep him. And you can get draft picks for him right now. I don't think anybody would be shocked if you got a second and a third rounder for Devin White. I I I wouldn't be surprised at all. He's the one, if you have to do this, get him out of here. Draft your linebacker of the future and re-sign David and let sort him. what the Bears did with Roquan Smith. Yes, you're not crazy, Steve. You will not get a first rounder for Devin White. No, but you, you might you might get a two and a three. And yes, that's that's two starters. And I would yes. br- I would bring back David because I think he raises the games of other people around him. And I think he still has a couple of years in him. And um you know, I think he would be great for the rookie linebacker that you bring in that you feel fits the system. And maybe a guy Jason Light thinks is more versatile than Devin White if uh, Todd Bowles is not here in the future. I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more on that scenario, Steve. And no. as, as far as Dean, I just don't see how they can how they can afford him. I, nice player. would love yeah. to love to keep him. I just don't see how they would have the money. At least, David, you could get on a two year deal. Maybe yeah. if he really wants out for his last year and you want to get rid of him or something, uh, let him finish out somewhere else. If for a contender, you could trade him. Lee, Todd Bowles will have to make the call on Devin White. That's Todd Bowles' call. Not Jason Lights, not the Glazers. What does Bowles think of Devin White? Does he think he's going to be elite going forward? And I mean elite. Vying for an all-pro inside linebacker spot, uh, at least in the conversation. Uh, I don't know how Bowles feels about Devin White Lee at this point. I think, I think he's a little disappointed. Now publicly, he always backs him up. He always supports him. Uh, even those times that Sap was ripping White, I uh, would take the C off him. Bowles wasn't going to say anything publicly about White. Uh, I think he's playing okay, but behind closed doors, you, you wonder how Bowles feels about Devin White. Just reading between the lines, at times Bowles has been frustrated with him. So I guess disappointed is the right word. I don't think you're wrong. Sage of Bucks fans, I did a poll, asked, uh, it's early, obviously, and one of the options, one of the answers to the poll was too early to consider. But the question was, what should be the Bucks' top priority in the 2023 NFL draft? Does it surprise you that the number one answer was offensive line? And, of course, the number two, an- <laughs> number two answer was defensive line, edge rusher. I would reverse those. I'm in the league category. I want pass rushers especially with the Shaq Barrett situation. Yeah, yeah he's probably going to come back. We don't know that. Suppose that's not the case. Well, what do you got? You ain't got much. That's where Logan Hall comes in and who knows what to get out of him and who knows what his position is. I don't know if he's, a, I don't know if he's an inside guy or, or, or an edge guy. I, I don't know about Logan Hall. Uh, all I know is they need a pass rush like every other team to protect the secondary, and I don't think they have one. Right now, now Bowles is very crafty uh, about the skies and things. You know, it's really his forte. Keeping offenses off balance. You don't know where the blitzers are coming from. He's really good at it. But Lee, you can only do so much if you don't have the talent. And right now, especially again with the Barrett injury, Lee, I'm I'm, I'm stocking up on pass rushers. You, as you you said many times, you never you never have too many. No, you can't. And I'm. I'm like you, Ira. I'm, I'm pessimistic about the pass rush. Joe Tryon, same results as last as his rookie year. That's not progressing. Shaq, who knows? Like I said, a, a bad gamble 
to expect a guy at 30 coming off an Achilles injury to be as good or better than he was. By the way, I, I see a lot of comments on Joe Buck's fan where people are saying trade Shaq. I think he's untradeable. I don't know about you, Ira. I think he's untradeable. I, no, I you don't, you don't, yeah, you don't trade Shaq when he's at a, at a low point, uh, Lee. Well, you're right. You're right. That's a great point. I didn't think of that, Ira. Buy low, trade high. But who, who in their right mind is going to trade for a 30-year-old guy coming off an Achilles? You're lucky to get a fifth-round pick. Yeah, you'd be lucky to get any pick. Yeah, I think. No, no uh, one's gonna tra- no one's gonna trade for Shaq Barrett. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying there's a lot of comments on Joe Buck's hand that I'll oh, trade Shaq, and I'm like, he's untradeable. I mean, how, you know, if I was an owner and a GM trading for a 30 year old guy coming off an Achilles, I'd have him drug tested. Well, Sage, a lot of huge decisions ahead. Obviously, it's what makes it fun. I'm sure we'll hear from Dave Canale soon uh, to get an idea of his perspective and. Hopefully he mentions some players that he likes and maybe gives some insight. I have a feeling that he's going to come out. I'm going to predict that he comes out talking very strong about Leonard Fournette, giving him a big <laughs> early vote of confidence and a big, uh, you know, Lenny's a, a franchise player. I think we're, he needs that mentality uh, Fournette, and I think he's going to get it from the, the new offensive coordinator. Just a prediction, Ira. But I got to ask you a media question, Ira, because – uh, some people care about certain things in the media, things that are hidden. You know, it's part of our culture. What's the media up to and conspiracies and things like that. I got to ask you this, Ira, because I'm not sure of the answer. I think I know the answer, but your answer is way more interesting than mine. Sean Payton gets the Broncos job. He's getting paid a fortune of money and he goes to Radio Row and does a million interviews. You know, he's the new guy. He's there all week doing all kinds of interviews on Radio Row. I listened to most of them, Ira. I didn't hear one person and I didn't see one story. It seems like nobody asked him about the tampering with Tom Brady and Miami, which was one of the biggest stories in, frankly, in off the field stories in NFL history involving arguably the greatest player in NFL history. Nobody asked him. It's as if hey, you know, we're, we're not even going to touch it, Sean, because we love you so much, or I don't know what. But how does that happen? How does he go through all those interviews on a national stage and nobody asks him about the massive scandal? I think part of it is uh, let's keep everything positive in, in terms of uh, the guy that's doing the interviewing. Uh, let's not uh, embarrass the guy. Steve, to your point, he, he's never talked about it. it, it it's not like uh, it's old history because he's addressed it. I, I need to hear from Sean Payton about what happened. Were there inaccuracies in that story? Or was the story true? And uh, how close did you come? Steve, a, a real failure because it wasn't just one interviewer. Like you said, he went up and down Radio Row. He put on the headphones and sat there. And we're not that far, Lee. We're not that far removed from the story. And there were sanctions. Really, dereliction of duty. Somebody, somebody. Can somebody ask Sean Payton uh, about the Tom Brady affair? I don't think that's too much to ask. I'm disappointed, Lee. And my colleagues, maybe not all of them had to ask, but somebody had to ask, and uh, it was a complete failure. You fell into a trap there, Ira. I agree with you that you fell into the trap of uh, considering sports radio to be journalism. Yes. So the, you fell into that trap. See, uh, that's number one. Number two, knowing how Radio Row works, I'm very confident that Peyton's handler when they made the appointment with, you know, Radio Station X for appointments, that you get Sean Payton, but there's one subject that's absolutely off limits. That could have happened. That could have happened. I mean, that's not a coincidence. I've got to give Steve credit. He's a bulldog when he comes like, I'm going to listen to Sean Payton. He'll go through every freaking two-bit radio station in America, their website, looking for Sean Payton audio, and he'll spend six hours trying to find I, I, Steve, you, this is why Joe Buck's fan works. It, it's bulldog mentality like that. But that's not a coincidence that that was never, never brought up on his X amount of interviews. That was a stipulation. You get Sean Payton, but don't you dare bring up Brady or, or, or the, the tampering, and we're pulling him immediately. Yeah, Steve, the, yeah, the easy thing is to keep things light. Keep things light. Ask him about working with Russell Wilson. You know what he's going to say. And don't stir it up. Play nice with Sean Payton, and uh, he'll come back next year. 
I get it, Ira. I just didn't think that would necessarily apply to uh, Mike Florio, who he sat down with, and uh, Pat McAfee, who's no holds barred on that show for sure, uh, along right. with along with many others. It just, uh, you know, I mean, you could ask it in a gentle way, and he could say, "Oh man, you know that." Hey, that you know, and Sean Payton could laugh it off and say, "Oh, that didn't work out." You know, hey, uh, hey, I wasn't fine for tampering. You know, that was the Dolphins and. But it just wasn't asked, which I just had to ask the sage about that. Ira, last well, the fact that Florio never asked it, that to me is confirmation. He that was that was a setup. Like you don't ask him this, Mike. Uh, sage, a last one for you that I got. I don't know if Lee's got a last one, but last one for me. Uh, Bruce Arians, of course, couldn't resist Radio Row making the rounds. I <laughs> uh, just couldn't do it, and uh, he had a lot to say, a lot of different places. But one of the more interesting sage was him sitting down and saying that uh, Bowles' philosophy, quote, didn't match up this year. That's what he said. Todd Bowles' philosophy didn't match up to the team, and that was part of the reason, among injuries and other things, that you know made it a bad year. And uh, just so I can give the exact quote, Todd's got to do what he needs and the way he feels, and his philosophy, comma, it didn't match this year, Byron's going to be a head coach someday. Insert the laugh track. You know, hopefully this doesn't set him back too far because he's a tremendous football coach. So, yeah, I think for us, it's just which direction we want to go in. Todd wanted to go in a different direction, and it's his ball club, but I wouldn't change a thing. And that's where we are. Bruce Arians still works there, Ira. What do you make of that? Well, Lee, the first thing you got to say is he, he obviously has to be talking about the offense. Todd Bowles was in firm control uh, of the other side of the ball. And, you know, Bowles did what Bowles wanted to do on that side of the ball, as he should. He's one of the best uh, defensive minds in the game. And given the talent level and the injury to Shaq Barrett, you can't say that the Buck defense underachieved, Lee. They played pretty well for most of the season. So what does that tell you? Well, there were philosophical problems on the other side of the ball. Lee, my inclination, maybe I'm wrong, Bowles wanted to run the ball more. Bowles wanted to run the ball more. And he couldn't run. And Leftwich is looking at him saying, we're not getting any production, Todd. How many times do you want to run the ball uh, for three yards of carry? And I think Bowles said, uh, I want more carries. I, I think it has value. Even uh, even if, even if uh, you, you're not uh, getting the production that we want, it still has value in uh, helping play action and, and keeping uh, defenses honest. What other way can you think of it, Lee, uh, other than uh, a clash of uh, offensive uh, philosophy with, with Leftwich? Leftwich has Brady, and Leftwich says, look, it's worked very well the last two years with this, uh, you know, throwing the ball two-thirds of the time, and it did. What else could it be, Lee, except uh, something about the running game? I, I can't imagine anything else. So people don't freak out. I know they're freaking out now because you used a, a cliche people always use. You have to run to set up the play action. There's tons of data out there to show that's that's a wife's day. Well, I can be a wife uh, for this podcast purpose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Steve, uh, those problems are now uh, gone, supposedly. And you know that the uh, Bulls will have uh, some serious discussions with Canales. Canales will call the place. Bulls will not call the place. We understand that. That's as it should be. But believe me, before very much longer, Canales will know exactly what Todd Bowles wants from an offensive standpoint. All right, Sage, look, we are out of here. Bill Curry Ford, thank you. BillCurryFord.com. Get there immediately. And don't forget the Best in Class podcast. And one thing that uh, Canales is going to know quickly, Ira, is uh, the Sage. I'm sure you'll be in his face. It won't take long. Maybe as soon as uh, the Combine, Steve. 